Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. I was one of those that would stay up for five or six days and get highly paranoid. And it just at a certain point, like no drug gets you away from the pain of hating yourself. Everyone hits so many bottoms. It's just, what's your window? How long is your window going to last where you're willing to go to any lengths to get better? Some windows last for an hour and you need a quick solution. Sometimes they last for a day or two. But with addicts, the window's really tight. People have a belief of, if I were to say, hey, what do you most want to improve in your life today? Whatever answer they give me, nine times out of 10, is not the very thing they need to improve. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today is New York Times best-selling author, Coach Mike of the Dr. Phil Show. So when you log on to Coach Mike's website and you see Jennifer Lopez talking about how he's the best life coach in the business, or you see Joe Jonas talk about the same sorts of things, or you see that he has been the most featured coach on the Dr. Phil show, you know this guy knows a thing or two. We had an absolute blast. He's so humble, so real, and his book is freaking amazing. I'll link all of it in the show notes, but you're gonna love this one. I promise you, don't skip it because you think, uh, another life coach. This is not just another life coach. He's freaking amazing. You'll love this episode. So please enjoy this conversation with Coach Mike. Mike Bayer, I am super pumped that you are here today because your message can really help people where they currently are, frankly, more than, than anything right now. We are in an absolute shit show of stress and strife and confusion, and people need some help and they need some guidance. So that's why we're having you on the show today. Um, so officially, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. And is it Murgatroyd? Is you that got it. Best, that, by the way, that's the best last name ever. It's my Hollywood name. I live in LA, so I made it. No, it's actually, um, it actually, you know, it's interesting. It's a Welch name, right? And I learned this, I'm fi- I'll be 55 this year, but I learned this like two years ago. So uh, years ago in Europe, there were these Moors that came over from Africa, right? The Moors. Yeah. 
And there were these constables that were called roids that would open and close the gates to protect the land from the Moors invading them. So the the families who did that were the Moors, Gate, Roids, Roids being the constable, and that became Murgatroyd. So I, I keep Moors out, apparently, and I'm also Snagglepuss, if you're old enough to know that. <laughs> or uh, if you know uh, Transformers, uh, people confuse it with Megatron. It's, it, but yeah, it's not. My, my last name, Bayer, used to be Bayarski, but then they when they had to... They were Jewish, so they kind of had to change it over to Bayer. Sounds more German. So it's really funny. So, okay, so what I'd like to do with you today is I'd like to rewind the clock a bit uh-huh. and maybe uh, maybe take you back to Fordham. You remember that time in yes. Fordham? Can you tell us the story of how you went from a predetermined recruit on a basketball team hmm. to somebody that, uh, you know, f- fell, fell off and got involved in drugs. Maybe we could start there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, as they say, it's a drug log. So, you know, a, I, I've I, never heard that. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it was a drug log and I was a garbage can. You could put anything in me and I'd be pretty satisfied, you know? So, but I, yeah, you know, I, I grew up, I know, you know, my brother, he's tall, he's six, eight, I'm shorter, um, six, five, but was pretty good at basketball, struggled a lot in school. I was held back twice. I haven't heard, met a lot of people who were held back twice. In, uh, it's an achievement. You know, yeah. When I was younger, just cause I, very different than the, my siblings, like, uh, they kind of were overachievers. Uh, I just, no matter how hard I tried, it just really school wasn't for me. Yeah, I always like getting high. Like even as a kid, I just kind of like to escape. And um, you know, I think I had a lot of emotional issues. Clearly, because at a very young age, I wanted to get high. I also think like life's weird, right? You're kind of. I mean, it's why you see so many kids who end up like their dad was an attorney. They become an attorney. Their dad's in real estate. They do real estate. My family are giants. So it was kind of determined that we play basketball. (laughs) Now, in hindsight, honestly, I probably would have rather done like martial arts or jujitsu or like something that had a little more art form to it. In my opinion, I think this whole idea of team spirit is ridiculous. Um, I think it's about satisfying the coach of the program. You're kind of just being of service to someone else's legacy, but blah, blah, blah. I, I just like getting high and eventually I started getting into crystal meth um, like anyone does. Right. Any young, you know, I'm kidding, by the way, that's a pretty rare thing. Okay, good. I'm so I'm so glad you said I'm kidding because I was like, oh, my God, I don't know where to go with this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, anybody that has an elephant as a pet, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like like I, I went on the <laughs> breakfast. I went on the breakfast club. And they started just like pushing my buttons. I was like, well, have you guys ever done crystal math? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, you know, like it's kind of, I throw that at people. It's not the most common thing that people really seem to get into. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you as we go through this because, because your, your world is, is go your, your former world. I'm I'm going to call it is likely going to be very confusing for some people. So yeah. I want to give you a little bit of context about who you're talking to to give you a frame, okay? 
I had a alcoholic dad that beat me as a kid. It was not good. It was a bad, bad situation. And as a result of that, I'm assuming, I don't know, I never touched alcohol or drugs, zero. I didn't have a sip of alcohol until I was 30. And to this day, I've only smoked pot twice. And that's like two or three puffs. I feel like Bill, Bill Clinton. I struggle with understanding mm. the alcoholic addict personality, even though I was around all of it, right? So for, for me, the question that I have is, I want to dig into the crystal meth part a little bit because I, I, I can't imagine a situation where somebody would say to me, here's some crystal meth, uh-huh. Give it a shot. Like I, I don't understand how that first moment happens. So maybe mm. you can take me back to that. What, how did that happen for you? I mean, I started doing drugs at around 15, but eventually it just became about what was available. I was comfortable in my own, uncomfortable in my own skin. I mean, this is in hindsight, right? So I did not like myself at all. Uh, I didn't, had no coping skills for anxiety. And, you know, for me, I was destined to be something that I absolutely didn't want to be. And so drugs for me were almost like uh, acting out or some form of relief to not be a straight male basketball player who's supposed to play college ball like you know i'm gay and uh you know it's it's one of those things that i mean did i use drugs because i just hate myself for being gay maybe but i just at the time i just enjoyed a different reality like i didn't enjoy going to high school dances i enjoyed going to raves you know i didn't enjoy hanging out and uh you know, I don't know what what a high school kids do. They normally, I guess, would hang out and maybe do puzzles. I, mean, I don't know what. Like no, there no puzzles. Yeah. We didn't do. We didn't do puzzles. We did anything, <laughs> anything that involved uh, any any kind of sexuality yes. thing. Yes. Like I, when I think of high school, I remember you know making out with Joanne Spina for two hours straight, where like my face would like you know like it was just like you know, just like I was red fit, like it, everything was sex for, yeah, and uh, imagine, for imagine if your reality is that you're supposed to be making out with a dude and you don't want to be making out with a dude, but you're like, Oh, aren't I supposed to like this? So like, for me, it sucked. Like I went with the homecoming queen. I was the captain of the basketball team. Like, and I'm supposed to be hooking up with chicks. And it's like, I don't want to be at these parties. Like, Got it. So for you escaping the, the, the discomfort, for lack of a better word, probably pain's a better word, but for you yeah. escaping that, you were actively looking for something that you can do to get out of the feeling that you were feeling. Yeah, at the time, I didn't know it. I mean, you kind of realize it in hindsight, but at the time, yeah, you're just like, like, what the hell, man? Like, this sucks. Like, I'm wearing a school uniform. I'm playing basketball and I'm supposed to be into chicks. And like, 
yeah, you beat yourself up when you don't know what's going on with you. And, you know, you're, it's real highly confusing. I mean, that's like, I think it's also why it's so prevalent in like an LGBT space, like with gay people is because like we developed so late emotionally, like we don't, I never experienced dating in high school or even like, and that where you go to meet other people is places where people get high. Right. Like you go to bars, you go to clubs. It's so like, I loved it at, at first, but then I, it stopped working. Like anything can get progressive where it's just like, it stops working. And for me, I was one of those that would stay up for five or six days, like, and get highly paranoid. And it just at a certain point, like no drug gets you away from the pain of hating yourself. All right. So let me, let's go back. So how long was the crystal meth period in your life? Uh, Four years. Four years. Okay. And was that your drug of choice? Yes. Okay. And during that four-year process, you know, I've I've seen and, and forgive these amateur questions, but I've seen like you know the book, the faces of meth, right? You remember that mm-hmm. book? Were was it that you started to look at yourself in the mirror, didn't know what who you were because you looked differently, or your teeth started rotting, or you started physically breaking down? Or what was it that was that threshold moment where you said, not another fucking day, like not another day or, 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 or were there many? Yeah. People talk about bottoms, you know, like it's kind of in media, they'll be like, oh, they finally hit bottom. Everyone hits so many bottoms. It's just, what's your window? Like how quick and how soon, how long is your window going to last where you're willing to go to any lengths to get better? Some windows last for an hour and you need a quick solution. Sometimes they last for a day or two. But with addicts, the window's really tight. You know, like their bottom hits, you got to create a solution right away. It's not one of those things that, from my experience working with thousands of people through the years, it's like, you know, that's why everyone says sleep on it. Because by the time the next day rolls around with anything, we often feel a little bit different. So, for me, look, I mean, I was 90 pounds less than I am now. I was highly paranoid. I thought I was, there was a camera in my people. I spray painted my place in New York red. My brother would come to visit me. And I, I mean, he was spooked by me. I got him into drugs, but like he, and I'm younger by five years. I think I freaked him out too. He literally would like, we would smoke weed together. Cause we didn't, I didn't even understand. Like you can't do all drugs. I smoked weed every day. Like, I didn't understand for me, I need to abstain. Like, but uh, yeah, I just reached the point where like I was, I had a moment of God or clarity where I just didn't want to be, I knew I wasn't living a life that was congruent with what I deserve. And okay. Yeah. I want to, I want to ask you something on the concept of disease. Mm-hmm. I'm really struggling and I, I truly want to understand this. Uh-huh. So it's not coming from a place of, I disagree with this as a, as a statement. It's more like, I don't get it. They say that alcoholism mm-hmm. as an example is a disease like any other disease. And, and yet I, 
not in yet. I struggle understanding that because if somebody has pancreatic cancer, mm-hmm. there, there isn't anything that they can do to abstain from well, having pancreatic cancer. I don't, yeah, I, I'm just struggling understanding it. Yeah, you're, it's a great point. There's several factors as to why from my, you know, I also own a treatment center and I've been in mental health now for over 18 years and so many capacities. So I've done so many different positions. What I can tell you is there's a few things. One is think about insurance coverage. So everything with insurance needs a diagnosis. It is also what is the scale of it. And I think some of it, in my opinion, is also language. So if somebody fits the criteria of a disease, I believe it's you have a better shot of it getting covered by insurance and For sure. getting mandated, right? So yep. there's that aspect, which otherwise I don't believe that treatment for people who are struggling would be uh, as available because insurance really doesn't want to pay for drug acts and alcoholics to go to treatment. You know, they, they avoid everything they can to pay for people, even when there's a necessity of this person could, you know, die. Uh, the other thing is, I think it helps some people that, you know, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous in the big book, it's a, you know, it's fascinating with just kind of the doctrines, the creations, right? So it was created, I don't know, I want to say like 90 years ago. And so, you know, for people with alcoholism, uh, it really works. That language of the disease model, they call it kind of like the disease model of treatment, which is still around. The thing is now you have so many different drugs. You know, you have so many different aspects of people wanting to numb themselves out. And, and I always say recovery is a loose garment. Like if somebody believes it's a disease and it helps them, lock on to the disease. If somebody's looking at it a little bit differently and is like, yeah, this is from unresolved trauma or, you know, I need to find God or I need a, you know, I just think everyone's so different. I think life's so complex that to sum it up to your point as just the disease is a little misleading. That's my opinion. I think it's such a great answer that that covers it because I think it covers everything from why they bill it with the CPT codes for insurance company all the way to the belief that you have in in uh, in the term. Your brother and I share uh, a love for uh, listening to Esther Hicks. Yeah. You know, so is she fucking crazy or is she really channeling? Who knows? It doesn't matter to me. I don't give a shit. I feel better after I listen right. to her. So I don't I don't give a shit. Uh, okay, so. Tell me what a board certified or a board registered interventionist is. I have this this vision of you know y- you sitting in a room with you know uh, with a reluctant Sally that's sitting in the chair and you're saying Sally we need to talk. Is that kind of what that is? Yeah. So so there's a lot of professions as you know like that don't have licenses in mental health. Yeah. And the reason is, uh, quite frankly, you can't do a lot of the things you would do in the coaching world or the interventionist world through the license because it would be considered unethical. Yeah. You know, traveling across state lines, uh, flying with somebody to treatment, what have you. So, yeah, I did interventions for years. And kind of the certification program is like you become a board registered interventionist. And yeah, I would fly over the world, all over the world. And I did that for maybe five or six years. And yes, Sally's usually a lot less happy. So the approach is a little, you know, I'm sometimes waking Sally up 
right? You know, and everyone's afraid of Sally. But then that steered, you know, and I live in LA. So all of a sudden it went from like flying to Kentucky and, you know, working with Sally to suddenly I was working with entertainers. And then my whole career completely evolved into this whole other thing. Yeah, I don't know, eight years ago or so. All right. So let's let, let's talk about, are, are you comfortable talking about some of the names that I came up with in my research about you and how you've worked with them? Does Is that okay to talk about? Yeah. Some of it I can't, some of it I can't say. Like yeah. a lot of these people are called friends. Yeah. And then some of them, you know, the interesting thing, I mean, you could say whatever and I can respond. There's just, there's some people where like, it's almost like I've had, it's yin and yang. I've had some amazing experiences and then I've had other experiences where I've, my brother knows where like, I went to refugee camps for years in Iraq because I didn't want to work with celebrities anymore. So who oh, <laughs> really? mentioned all different reactions. Am I right in assuming that they're just like anybody else in terms of how they you know, uh, find themselves in addiction? In other words, is there, is there, is there a yeah, difference? Well, I, yeah, so... so so some of the clients I've worked with, it's mental health and addiction. Like Joe Jonas, I was brought in when the band was breaking up and helping them all reinvent their career. So like some of my work has been mental health. A lot, of, a lot more of my work has been like helping people live in their art, you know, reinventing their careers in entertainment, crisis work with studios, you know, stuff like that. So I kind of, it's a range, but yeah, I mean, I think like we all, need guidance and we all need uh, support. And I think that we all have had, I mean, who hasn't had a rough moment during COVID? <laughs> like we've all had a moment of darkness or despair, right? All of us have been in that. So uh, I don't think the outer, the outer work doesn't imply that somebody's going to be any more content. It's interesting because there's an illusion that we have that we're all chasing the money or we're all chasing. Yeah. If I just get the fame, if I just get the money, then everything is going to be all right. And those two examples that we just talked about prove that that's not the case. You know, we're all going through situations right now. You know, whether you look at COVID as a spiritual thing or you look at it as a, a science thing, whatever it is, we're, we're here and we're trying yeah. to figure out what the hell to do with it. And so people are being faced now with making new decisions in their life. Do I want to go back to the shitty job? that I was in. Um, I've got more friends getting divorced than I can shake a stick at. You know, um, yeah. there's a divorce rates are going through the roof. Suicide rates are going through the roof. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and you're you know right. What we it's, yeah. To that point, it's interesting. So the, I own a treatment center called cast centers. It's in West Hollywood's now patient. Yeah. Since COVID our relapse is twice as high twice. And, uh, the people who won't come in person and just do it digitally have way lower success rate. They're already so hard to get out of the house anyways. And then our suicidal ideation has gone up like 400%. You know, we used to have maybe one client or two clients a month. We'll get six or seven now. So you're right to that point. Like we've done a ton of research in it. It's completely, people's mindsets are going a lot darker um, and struggling a lot more during this period of time. So why are people not making the one decision? Is it that they 
don't know which decision to take? Or is it fear that if they take the decision, it may be the wrong one? What I've found is people don't know what decision to take. People often believe, people have a belief of if I were to say, hey, what do you most want to improve in your life today? Whatever answer they give me nine times out of 10 is not the very thing they need to improve. So this thing that they're describing to me isn't actually the low-hanging fruit that's easy. And so, you know, that's where, like, I like to write in a style that meets someone where they're at, that help them figure out their blind spots. So... And it's tough, right? In a book, you know, when you're one-on-one coaching someone, it's a lot different. But, you know, like first it's figuring out what is that thing in your life that you wish was a little bit better? I mean, that's always a good starting spot. So I'm all about assessments. Like, let's just assess your life. And then we start to look at, okay, well, why is that thing in your life not better? And usually in that process is when we can shake out and figure out what they really need to do. This is interesting. So you're you're not getting super granular in that moment. You're keeping it higher and more general because I suppose that when you get too granular too soon and you don't know what the hell you're doing, it becomes overwhelming. So you're yeah, like just I can try it with you if you want. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So what area of your life do you want to improve? Or I could give you a rating. You could rate them and if that helps you clear it up quicker. Yeah, let's do that. That would be better. Okay. So let's say your health. One to five, how would you rate it? One to five? Physical health. Four. Okay. Your family relationships. Four. Your finances. I am going, I'm toggling between three and four. So let's go low. Let's go three. Okay. Your spiritual life. Three. Your social life. Four. Your significant other. So I'm going to interpret that as I'm going to. I have a great relationship, but if it's okay, I'm going to interpret that as uh, romantic. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would say three. You have kids. Yeah, that's why I went. That's why I went down low. Okay. So <laughs> with, kids, with kids, it would go lower with kids. Yeah, because we have a we have a five year old, we have a six year old, and so uh, the reason why I rated it lower is because I don't I love her and we spend so much time together, but I know that I could be so much more romantic, but we're just so fucking busy with the kid that it's uh, a challenge. So that's uh, why I rated it lower. Okay, and your mental health. I almost want to say five. Like I don't feel okay. any lower than that. Got it. So what what if anything do you wish was better? Of anything right now? What comes to your mind? I wish that I was more allowing for where I am right now. In other words, I'm always looking for it to be better. And sometimes in the face of looking for it to be better, I'm not acknowledging what I currently have. And so I struggle with, with gratitude and I have to make a practice of doing it because it doesn't come naturally for me because I'm always looking at the next, the, the next project I want to work on or, you know, it, it, it almost never seems like enough for me. I'm always looking for the next thing that I can do to be more successful. Is that work or is that other areas too? I think it's, I think it's across the board. Across the board. 
Yeah. And, and that gives you anxiety. Yeah, I think it does. I, I think it does. I think it gives me, um, I think I have to have, because it, because it gives me anxiety, I have to have certain things that are set up in my life to have forced breaks. Like I do three hours a day at the beach. I live in Hermosa, uh, three hours a day at the beach, you know, doing something, surfing, running, swimming, because if I don't have that forced break, I'll just stand there and I'll work all day. I force myself to take a few months a year off to travel Europe, because if I don't, I'll just be working all the time. And what's the the ongoing thought that pops up with this concept of I got to get to it. I got to be going. Like, is there, is there, are you conscious of maybe what that thought is? Um, yes, that I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to lose it all. Yeah. Okay. And what does it all mean? What does that thought mean? Oh, oh, what was it all? Um, I'm going to lose it all. I will, I'll be out in the street in a cardboard box and I'll have nothing. Okay. And have you always had this thought? I think so. I, I mean, I haven't had anybody actually take me through the thread of it, but I think, I think, yeah, I think there's, there's an underlying fear that I will be penniless and alone. Okay. And do you feel like that's the most ongoing stress in your life day to day? Yeah. Okay. What I would do with like, this, right? So there's, I create what's called the force, right? So we're just going to go through the negative force of it, which is an acronym. So where could you be fortune telling around this? That you're going to end up in a cardboard box. Give me an example of fortune telling. Fortune telling would be like, if I don't go do this, they're going to leave me. If I don't go uh, make more money, I'm not going to have much. Oh, well, that would be one right there. If I don't make more money, I won't, I won't, um, I won't live. It's, it's toggling between a cardboard box or worse, not living in some ways, it's actually worse to not live the life that I want to live. In other words, I have a vision of what I want my life to be like. And if it's, it, it feels the same to me, probably wouldn't be if I had it, but it feels the same to me that if I was out in the street and had nothing or I wasn't able to afford the life that I wanted to live, they both feel the same to me. But what, what, I guess what, in terms of this life, what is the life that you're saying this is, you know, that I envision, are you saying you're there or you're not there? I'm saying I'm there and I'm afraid it's going to go away. Okay. And how long have you been there? Um, two years, two years. Okay. So you, you're, you're afraid of, of that. This thing that you've created over time is somehow going away. Yeah. Like I got it. Like, like I got it good. My, my life is good. I live where I want to live. My, my marriage is great. I have a great relationship with my children. My, my health is good. Finance. Like I feel I'm banging away on all cylinders, but the bottom's going to drop out. You know, um, like I, I wake up in the morning, like, you know, looking like, like, is is everything still good? Are we still good? Do you know what I mean? Because I'm afraid like it's going to all go away. And let, let me just, do you think that this relates to growing up with an alcoholic father? I think everything relates to that. I just don't know how to, I don't know 
how and you know like what that what I could do about it, what it really means. Like I don't. I, so yes, but I don't know what to say about I got, it. I guess I'm just I'm just curious if that like this could go all go away. I, I'm out of control. Like if that's just a feeling that you've had over time. No, it's not like I feel like I'd wind up. Well, yeah, in some ways it is. In some ways it is. I think that I, I work really hard to make sure that I don't live the life that I saw as a kid. So I think that's a big driver in this. Yeah. And what, what's the number one thing that makes you feel most secure? Fr- friendships is the thing that actually popped in my head. That's okay. the thing that popped in my head because I feel like with that, I can endure whatever were to happen if it did. Got it. And, and would like your romantic partner or kids or anything like that make, does that help you feel secure or not? Yeah, because the, because in the absence of it, I'd feel massively insecure. So yes, you would feel massively insecure if, yeah, if the wife left or the, or the kid said, I hate you and I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. And that, that was your lowest rated area, right? Yeah, but it's but I'm I, I'm I rated it lowest because I know I can do so much better than I am doing. But that is not to say that I I don't believe, and I think if you ask my wife that we have an outstanding relationship and we're truly happy. I mean, really, really happy. But but I know I rated myself low because I know I can do so much better in that area. And what does better look like? Romantic. I could be much more romantic. I am so, I spend more time on projects and the child, children, um, and life than I put into the marriage than I believe I should, than I believe I could be putting in. Okay. So, so if you were to do something romantically that you feel like you could do, what would that look like? It would be pretty simple. It would be more eye contact, more conversations around her and life, as opposed to family maintenance of, did you take the, the, you get the dry cleaning or the groceries? It would be more uh, physical in the area of romance and, you know, more lovemaking and, and less, let's just, you know, do it because we haven't done it in three days. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it would be more, um, could it be talking to her about it? Like insane? It could you're... be. Could be, could be. And it could be simple things like notes, flowers. Uh, it just be put, it, honestly, just putting more effort into the area. And do you make lists every day? I do. Okay. And, and it, would it be okay to add something on the list that's in regards to her and romance? Yeah. And I, and I've done that, but I get really confused about what that looks like. And so I stand there and I think part of it is because I feel like, you know, it's like when you, when you, when you're in the, the, the mode of making your daily lists, you know, you're in one energy, right? Like you're in a business energy. I got to get this done and I got to get my, you know, file my taxes and blah, blah, blah. And then when you think about the, that, you know, that romantic thing where you're like coming, trying to come up with like, you know, it's like a different headspace. And so I'm like, just what about think, right now? So, so, so right now, though, the headspace, are you, could you be in romantic headspace as we're talking? Yeah. There's no, yeah, good, I could. in the list space. So, if, if you were to do something romantically today, yeah. What could that look like that would, that you could do? I could 
First thing that came to mind is what normally comes to mind, which is when we put the kid down, you know, uh, instead of going straight to Netflix, sit down at the dining room table and just catch up on the day with each other. What usually happens is it's the end of a really, really long day. And my wife puts her, uh, our, our daughter down and she comes up like, you know, like almost half asleep because she's been lying with her. And, you know, we're like, you know, it's sort of just the end of, it seems like the worst time to have that conversation because she's like literally like passing out, but I don't know where else to do it in the day because there's, you know, we have a kindergartner now, right. And she's home all day. There's no school. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're, we're trying to like, uh, so I, I'm struggling answering the question because it's like, I'm a, I'm a practical guy in that regard. Like, I, like if I can schedule it, I want to know when I can do it. So I think the problem is I don't know what to do and I don't know when to do it. I think that's the, I don't, I feel like, I mean, I just met you and talking to you, right? Yeah. But, uh, you clearly are a very thoughtful person. And uh, even though you got my book mixed, messed up with my brothers, I still know you're thoughtful. It, it happens. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, you're, you know, you're a thoughtful person. And to me, it's like, it's deciding, like, it can be right after the podcast, 20 minutes where you're just intentionally bringing that into the mix in conversation with her or talking to her. Like, it doesn't need to be this big event, but you just, in my opinion, make one decision towards being more intimate or being more loving or changing it up. And maybe at the end of the night, you light a candle and you dim the the lights where you guys are able to talk or you do a throwback to when you guys first met and what creates that energy for you guys or like whatever it is, but it doesn't, I, I believe. And the, and the reason I asked all these questions, right? Like firing off is I believe it's incredibly important, especially for someone who grew up, grew up in an alcoholic family to have really good communication and feel super secure and intimate in their life. And sounds like you guys have an amazing relationship. And the opportunity is to be able to do this while the kid is in kindergarten and while he's at the house. Because if you're able to do it now through all this chaos and like everything going on with COVID, you're going to be in a great spot because you're able to figure out how to do it now. And so a lot of people will go, well, I can't do it because of this reason or this reason or this reason or this reason. And then days just go by. And so to me, it's just making one decision on purpose that just betters your life. It doesn't have to be the ripple effects by doing stuff like this. From my experience working with people is so much more great stuff happens. You know, often people will feel even less anxiety about the future when they really start to harvest because you're telling me this, like, to me, that's your rock, right? Yeah. And so doing my best not to end up as like coach, Mike coach hat on, but like, no, no, no. Co- coach away. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no rules. There's no rules. Yeah, yeah. Part of the, part of the beauty of podcasts is that you can just do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. But you know, we don't, like, we're not like Dr. Phil's producer going like, we got to go to a commercial. Oh, no shit, right? <laughs> yeah, I got to have a 20-second breakthrough. and yeah. like, Yeah, solve this person's entire oh life. God, it's crazy. Too. You know, I've never met these people. And literally, I'll be on stage, I'll have two minutes, and I have to, like, create a... It's it's a lot. And these are wild people. You know, they, they want to help some of them. But I, I think, like, that, that's really what it comes down to. Like, when you talk to me about... This is my 
impression is you're talking to me about uh, not being in the moment and future tripping and, oh my gosh, this could all go away. Yes. The most important thing in your life that matters is your, you know, romantic partner and your kid. Yep. And that is actually the biggest rock in your life because you're with them all the time. And so that, if you made a decision towards, you know, eye contact or being more intentional and it doesn't have to be perfect. It's not like it has to be like a business plan. It's just, you're bringing it up to me. So somewhere in your brain, you're like, oh, I could be doing more of this. And I'm just reinforcing the thing. Whereas before, I'm saying like we ended up where that's where I'm suggesting. Normally we would go, okay, well, I just need to, you know, realize that business isn't going away and I'm here to stay and do self affirmations. And what I'm saying is your decision you can make that's low hanging fruit is your romantic partner. As we start to wrap up, I want to get people to know you a little bit. So I'm going to ask you some questions that are going to be weird, but I don't sense that you care. So let's just roll with it. <laughs> no, I don't. What's on your nightstands? Earbuds for like, you know, so I don't hear my dog snoring. Yeah. The, like and, the, sound, uh, the sound blocking things? Yeah, and a bottle of water. Bottle of water. What's one rule that you have for yourself that you'll never break? Uh, I won't steal. What's an unusual or an absurd thing that you love? Magic the Gathering. I still enter tournaments. Say that again? Magic the Gathering. It's a card game. It's like Dungeons and Dragons. I've never even heard of it. Magic. I mean, listen. It's, it's, Is it like Crimes Against Humanity? Like that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like this role-playing card game. I'm also extremely into wizards. Like I have wizards all over my body. I have wizards <laughs> all over my house. So you'll get a one-decision box coming to your way. You'll see a wizard on the box. So. Oh, is it coming? I can't wait yeah. to get it. Okay, cool. Um, well, now that I now that I will know that you actually wrote a book. Um, <laughs> what is one goal that you had for yourself that you're like, when I get this goal, my fucking life is going to be amazing. And then you got it and went, yeah, that didn't do it. I thought you were going to say, what's the goal that I really want? And I think it's going to be amazing. What's the goal that, I mean, I think... I mean, whatever, making your first million or many years ago, or, you know, when you think you can becoming a New York Times bestselling author, like I remember I cried <laughs> thinking because I've worked so hard for it. Change is nothing. I mean, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, change is nothing. If you could spend one month anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Oh, Brazil. Brazil, so, why? I just went there a month ago. Well, I love the culture. I love the people. I love my publisher out there. And it's just like, it's cheap. It is so yeah. cheap. The dollar's so strong right now, sadly, yeah. for that. But what are, are we talking like uh, Rio or? Yeah, Saint Rio or like I went to Sao Paulo a month ago. But mm -hmm. Brazil is hands down my favorite country to visit. Like, it's I, great. I did, uh, I did New Year's Eve there a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, Actually, I, 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 I did it three times. It's, uh, you did know, you dress mid, in white? Uh, on the beach at midnight with gladiola in my hands. Yeah. It, was, uh, it, it was something else. I, I absolutely loved it. You know, with every new level comes a new devil. What are you currently struggling with? Oh, gosh. I struggle with, um, it's interesting. I struggled with TV. 
at times. You know, I'm, I, I mean, I, str- I struggle with image too, like as a public image at times, like who am I? How am I putting myself out? How do I not copy these other people? Like sometimes I'll see these people that are like coaches or certification programs and I just think they're full of shit and they've never been in the trenches or helped anyone and I just get annoyed. And sometimes I'm like, am I jealous or am I like, just don't, you know, because of where I come from, it's like, you know, if you haven't had someone try to hurt you or kill themselves, you're not, you know, it's, it's really good to talk about. I, I get, and so I struggle with like, how do I present myself to the world authentically and where I don't need to be perfect and always be like some beacon of strength. You know what I mean? So I bet, I bet because sort of cloaked in your image is the answer, man, that's going to solve every, everything. And that, uh, that Cape can get very heavy. I'm sure. Um, but I think cape. Yeah, it's a heavy cape. I think Dr. Phil would be a good guy to ask that question, though. Oh, because, trust me, I have a lot. I mean, because he's. Uh, have you ever had the chance to meet Oprah through him? No, you know she came uh, to do the podcast uh, of his, and everyone showed up, and I didn't. Why? Just, just one of those things, um, or you didn't want? You didn't want to? I don't. I don't know. I've always kind of been like, I don't know. With him, like, I don't want him ever feeling like I'm taking advantage of opportunities. And also, like, I don't know if I'm Oprah and I'm having to meet so many people, like, she need another guy, like, trying to take a photo with her. I'm like, if the universe wants me to meet her, like, I don't know, I'll create some cool shit and she'll want me. But if not, like, there's so many people in this world. So I just don't like, like, and I've always, and I've attracted a lot of great stuff. Like, I, I don't, I've been pretty successful without forcing my way into meeting. I know a lot of people would. I just, I, there's no one I would do that with. Yeah, I got it. I got, well, that's what makes you the the magic that you clearly are. So I love that. What would your uh, friend say is one of your superpowers? Um, my God, they would say, uh, thinking outside the box probably or creative solutions. What do people never ask you, but you wish they did? I don't think I really, I don't know if I really wish anything. I'm more like, okay, well, is this helpful for their platform? I don't even like selling shit. You know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I was more excited to be able to meet you because I was listening to your podcast and you're friends with my brother and you had a cool last name. And so I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I didn't have in my head, like, oh my, here's my move, you know? Like, I don't... Well, I'll give you an example. Okay, so I just did... Do you remember the Jamaican bobsledding team? Yes, I remember the Jamaican bobsled team. All right, so I just interviewed the the guy, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the Cool Runnings, the movie Cool Runnings was about, right? And I asked him that question. And he said, you know, everybody always asks me about being on the Jamaican bobsledding team. And what was that was in the story around that, but, but nobody ever asked me because now he, he goes around the country speaking on, cause he was also a, an Olympic champion in other sports, track and field. Yeah. And nobody ever asked him about the, the, the bronze medal that he got in track and field, or nobody ever asked him about him being a captain in the Jamaican army or nobody. And there's all these questions that nobody ever asked him about. Cause everybody always asked him about that. So that that's, what's kind of behind that. Um, yeah. Okay. A couple more questions. 
What book have you reread the most? Uh, there's a book by K. Raphael Jameson called An Unquiet Mind. It's about bipolar disorder, marriage yep. depressive disorder. She's just fucking awesome. Excuse okay. me. Okay. Try yeah, to get on my podcast. I mean, some of these people, you, you, you can't even reach them through snail mail. But um, I probably read that one quite a bit. I thought it was really good. All right. And the last question is a little bit of a change up. What one question would you like to ask me? I'm curious in the last two years, what was the thing that started making you a lot of money? It wasn't so much that it was a lot of money. It was that I was lies. No, 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 no. It wasn't, it wasn't that it was, I did, I did start making more money, but I know, I know what's behind your question, or at least I think I do. What was it that in two years ago, that was the, the thing that sort of changed it. And I was a chiropractor for 25 years and the last, uh, 10 of those years, if, if somebody asked me, you know, to, uh, to help if some, if, if one more person said their neck or back hurts, I was going to shoot myself. I couldn't take it anymore. And so I finally decided that I wanted to do what I wanted to do, which is to, I do events. Um, that's what these pictures are all around the world, uh, with people. Um, and I do the podcast. Um, we've got some courses that we put together. Um, I moved from Atlanta to um, Hermosa Beach. I learned surfing. And so I radically, two years ago, radically changed everything in my life. And I wake up in the morning so happy and so content that everything that I dreamed of having, which is getting out of Atlanta, getting out of chiropractic, doing a job that I love to be doing, podcasting, traveling around the world with entrepreneurs, it's all finally fucking here. I got it. That's awesome. I don't want it to go away. So a friend of mine said to me, um, she had a similar situation. You know she what said, though? You know what I was thinking though? That's so interesting that you talk, I mean, cause you don't want to go away. And it's funny. Cause it's like, to me, like when I'm just hearing all that, right. I'm actually like, well, why wouldn't it even get better? That's so crazy. You said that. This, I got chills. I'll tell you why. Because I was just with a friend of mine and I said the same thing to her. She said, I had a similar situation in my life and somebody, uh, do you know Byron Katie? Yeah. Okay. Said to her. You do the wheels and. Yeah. Well, I don't know anything about her, oh, but okay. she said this statement to her. She said, ask yourself, how good can I take it? So every morning, ask yourself, okay, this is good and I love it, but how good can I really take it? Bring more good on. Let me see how good I can take it. Mm. And I liked that for some reason, I don't really know why, but I like that it felt like it was a twist on me feeling like it was going to be taken away. It was more me putting focus on how much, how much gooder can I take it? Right. Do you know, is that, is yeah, that yeah, yeah, for sure. Like you, you think this is the max when it's not. There you go. <laughs> like, there you go. Like you don't even know what else is coming your way. And you also know, because you're obviously clearly understanding somatic in the body. And you also know that you don't want to put out into the universe is constant fear. And you're like, how do I flip this thing around? And I really think it's like, that's actually really exciting that you've accomplished and felt the last two years what a lot of people never feel. And it's proof that you can keep having more of it, if not more. 
Dude, you are really, really good at what you do. You, you're, you're one of these people. I've only come across a handful of people like this who you instantly, not like, you instantly love. There's a love Aww. energy that is inside of you. That I'm, I'm being very honest with you. No bullshit. There's a, there's a love energy inside you that um, you just, you got that thing. You got that thing. So I'm, I'm really glad that I got a chance to know you. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. You got that thing too. You're welcome, baby. Well, listen, as soon as this thing's out, I'll get the book. Um, I'm usually known for my research, but I know what happened. I asked my assistant to send me the information and he confused the bears and he sent me the bear book, with, but it was your brother's mind hack and not your yeah, one. We, and we are... We are oil and vinegar, the two of us. I see that. And yeah. so I had all of these questions around his book, but I should have known better. Because no, I, I, I honestly, I don't care. And really, it's cool. I've been in this spot, too, where it's like, you know, I'm, as I've entered the coaching world, right? I'm kind of a loner in a lot of ways. And like, in, and like you know, in this coaching world, there's like this, like, who fucks with you and who doesn't type of thing yeah. I've noticed. Yeah. Like, oh, this is, and like, so some, I actually like, it gives me good humility, man. Like sometimes when people don't know you're, you're like, it's all good. Like it's all good. You know? Thank you. Thank it's, you. Because you're not, your intention isn't wrong. It's like when other people are just like, it's like, uh, you know. <laughs> well, thank you for being thank on the you. show today. Let's stay in touch with each other. You got it, buddy. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. We'll be right back. 